So today we're starting a brand new message series that I'm calling Gone Fishing. Now I asked this question last week, but I want to survey the room a little bit this morning. Just all across the room, how many of you would say that, that you like to fish? Just a show of hands. Just raise them high. All right. Let, don't got to be shy. Raise them high. All right. You know, one thing that I was told before being hired on um, as your pastor is that this is a church that, that for the most part, uh, at least likes to fish. And, and what I've found over the years is that um, if, if you don't like to fish, you at least like a good fishing story. It, would, I, would you agree with that this morning? That maybe if you don't like to fish, you like a good, a good fishing stories. And I have a few fishing stories of my own. Now, I'll say this right off the back. Your expectations cannot be high for this because I'm... I'm a beginner at best when it comes to fishing. And my stories are probably not as good as many of you, but nonetheless, they're stories. So I want to share one with you this morning. Um, it, it really is our most recent family fishing story, and it happened this past summer at my parents' lake house in uh, northeastern Oklahoma. So my parents have a lake house that sits on Grand Lake, and it really is some of the most beautiful country um, in Oklahoma. Um, you think of Oklahoma and you think flat and, and dry, and, and cowboys and Indians, and, and a lot of it is that way. And I can say that because I'm an Indian myself. I have my Indian card. I'm a Chickasaw Indian. But you couldn't tell by, by looking at it. But I have proof. I have the, the birth certificates that go all the way back. But, you know, you think of Oklahoma and you think flat, but you get into southeastern Oklahoma and northeastern Oklahoma, and I mean, it really does. It's some of the most pr- beautiful country in that part of, 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 our, of our country. And, uh, you know, I have four boys that you've met by now, hopefully, and uh, for the most part, I would say that they all love to fish, or at least like to fish. They get pumped up, they get excited whenever it's time to go fishing. And their favorite thing about fishing, I believe, is being able to wake up early in the morning, uh, go down to the dock at the lake house with their grandpa, they call him Papa, and they actually have a couple different Papas, but they call him Papa, and, uh, and they just get to spend the morning with him, you know. And it's so neat seeing them the night before. They'll get their tackle box together, and they'll get their fishing poles together, and, and they'll talk about, um, you know, on their level, just how many fish they're going to catch or how big it's going to be. They, they just get excited about those types uh, of things. And when, we go, when, we, when it's time to fish, it's neat. I, I can see the boys just lined up on the dock all the way down um, with you know, adult supervision, of course, because they're not great swimmers. But I, I can see them lined up down the dock, and, and they're fishing. And what's crazy is that almost every time they fish, every one of them catches, like, multiple fish. I don't understand this, but, but they do. I have a couple of pictures from our, our recent fishing trip this summer I want to share with you this morning. So on, on the left up here, you see Papa, and uh, Micaiah is holding the fish that he caught. And then you have Weston in the middle, and then... Um, bless his heart, he needs a haircut so bad in this photo. But that's, that's Phillips <laughs> with, uh, with, his, with his fish that morning. And, and again, they caught multiple fish that day. But what you didn't see was a, fi- a picture of myself holding a fish. You can kind of see me in the background there looking on probably a little jealousy, maybe a little bit of, maybe a little anger <laughs> as well. That's because the fish that I, that I hook usually find a way to escape in a rather crafty kind of way. They always find a way. I don't understand it. You know, the, the fishing pole situation, I remember, that day was, uh, was limited at, at best. Um, I, I, rem- I don't remember which kid it was, but one of them had taken the, the fishing line that was already loaded the night before and just started pulling it out. You can already see it. It, it wads up. And so we lost some of our poles that morning. And, uh, you know, again, the, the fishing pole situation was limited. So we, we had to resort to using a lot of the kids' poles. And they're these short, you know, Batman pole and Spider-Man and 
Um, now, my, my oldest son, Micaiah, has a pretty decent fishing pole. It's actually made for fishing off of docks. It's a shorter pole, and it's got some give to it. But, um, you know, we, weren't, we, weren't, we didn't expect to catch anything of, of any significant size. So that's, that's the one that I decided to use. I thought it would be no problem, or so, so I thought. <laughs> so with my luck, on this particular day, and I can just see it like it was yesterday, I was the only person to hook a catfish. Now, that's not what we were fishing for. You can see in the photos, that's not at all a catfish. And Oklahoma catfish, are, there's something in the water, all right? They're, they're big. And uh, so I hook a catfish, and it decided to fight me the entire way. I, my pole was bending almost like 180 degrees. I'm not kidding. Uh, straight up and then straight down, because I'm standing on this dock. I, I couldn't even pull him up over the lip of the dock because it weighed so much. So what did I do? I'm sitting here, I'm fishing off the dock, and I'm fighting this fish. In my mind, it's like something you see on, on TV. You know, I'm fighting it, and the waves are coming in. And, you know, it's, it wasn't that way. But I, I look around... I look around to the nearest adult that I could find, because again, I'm a beginner at best, and it happened to be my wife. She's standing right there next to me, so I asked my wife for fishing advice, and that's where it all went wrong. <laughs> so I ended up taking her advice, and here's what she told me to do, and I, don't, I, I, was, I was caught up in the moment. She said, I just grab the line with your hands and just yank him up over the edge, and you already know what happened. The line broke, the fish got away, and I was, left, I was left fishless. And the sad part was nobody believed me about the size of the fish because I don't catch many fish. They think I was making the story up. They think I was lying about the whole thing. You know, I don't fish a lot, but when I do, there's two things that are certain. Number one, I like to fish. I wouldn't say I love to fish, but I like to fish. I like going out either on a boat or on a dock. And the conversation that's had, just enjoying being outside, you know, we're stuck inside so much these days. And it's nice. I like to fish. And the second thing is, is I usually don't catch anything of significance. <laughs> you know, but one thing I've learned over the years about fishing is that even with my limited fishing experience and my limited knowledge is that I don't have to be a pro at fishing. I don't even know how to catch certain types of fish. I just have to go with someone who knows how to fish. All right? And in my life, that's my dad. You know, I go fishing with my dad. He knows just where to anchor the boat. He knows exactly what kind of bait to use. He knows just when to yank and pull the fish in, you know, reel him in. I don't know any of these things, but at the end of the day, it really doesn't matter because when I, when I do fish, I go with someone who already knows how to fish. And that's really what the message today is, is all about. We read Mark chapter 1, and I, I want to reread that with you this morning. So if you have your Bibles, you can open up to Mark chapter 1. We'll have it on the screen. Uh, you can also pull out your smartphone and use the Bible app as well. So Mark chapter 1, verse 14 through 20, it says this. After John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee, proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God is near. Repent and believe the good news. As Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will make you fishers of men. And at once they left their nets and they followed him. When he'd gone a little further, he saw James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John in a boat preparing their nets. Without delay, he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men, and they followed him. You know, Jesus is seen here um, recruiting the very first disciples. 
Now, we know this story shows up a few times, and at some point we'll, we'll talk about that a little bit more. But you know, I, I think a lot of people have the assumption that when, when you read this, that these particular men were already great men of faith from, from these first interactions with Jesus. And, and I don't believe that's necessarily the case. These disciples were fishermen by trade, and they were called to follow Jesus. And they were told that they would learn how to fish for men. You see, they were just regular people who had this extraordinary encounter with Jesus. They knew how to fish for fish. They knew how to do that extremely well. But they had no idea what fishing for men meant or what it would even look like. I imagine this being like me trying to cook a meal for our family in the evening and trying to follow the instructions. I'm not, I'm not a good cook. All right? You ask my kids, and I mess up a grilled cheese sandwich all the time. So it's just not in me. You know, for many of us, this is a phrase that, or an idea that we've heard before, being, being fishers of men. And if you've been in the church a long time, maybe you, you, you've talked with your kids and they've, they've heard this in, in kids' church, or it's a lesson that you've heard growing up your entire life. But what I want to do today is revisit this encounter that these men had with Jesus and talk about what being a fisher of men really means and what it looks like in our lives today. So if you're taking notes, the first thing that we're going to talk about this morning is this, that the call is to follow. The call is to follow. You know, the, the first set of instruction that Jesus gave these men at, at this particular encounter was to follow him. That's the very first thing that Jesus says. You know, we have a lot of great resources at our fingertips today that help us understand and learn what it means to be a follower of Jesus. You, you can go into any bookstore. It can be a Christian bookstore or not, and you'll find a shelf that has books for Christian living. Maybe you know what I'm talking about. There's books on, on marriage and, and raising kids. There's books on using your gifts and leading a ministry in the church. Um, here in our church, we have small groups and Sunday school classes, and these are intentionally designed to help you learn more about who Jesus is, uh, to learn more about who you are in Christ, and to help you grow in your faith and then apply the things that, that you learn. Uh, we, also have, uh, we, we also have different ministries in the church that, that are designed to help you get plugged in using your gifts and abilities that God's given you uh, so that you can do something of significance for the kingdom of God in and through the local church. You know, these are all great things. Uh, the books that we have, the classes that we have, the ministries that we have, these are all are great and wonderful things. And I'm so grateful that we live in a time and a place where we have these types of things at our fingertips. So many great resources. But as I was thinking about this this week, here, here's what came to mind. I'm afraid that in our pursuit of following Jesus, we often get comfortable with the benefits of being a Christian and we forget the mission. So in our pursuit of following Jesus, we get so comfortable with the benefits of being a Christian that we, we forget the mission. You know, we, we get so comfortable... We forget what it means to follow Jesus. We forget the mission that he gives us. And as a church, sometimes, not, not, not necessarily this church, but church capital C, we, we make being a follower of Jesus extremely hard. We overcomplicate things. You know, for those of you who've been a Christian for a really long time, you know all about the benefits of following Jesus. And we, we have forgiveness of sin. We have eternal life with God. We have God's peace that, that passes all human understanding. We've talked about that. We have joy that comes from having a relationship with Jesus. And we have guidance in our life every single day through the direction of the Holy Spirit. The list goes on and on. We could do an entire message series on the benefits of being a follower of Christ. And again, I'm so grateful for these things. 
There's so many wonderful benefits of being a Christian. I just know that in my own life, a lot of times I get comfortable with the benefits and I forget the mission. You know, for the early disciples, following Jesus was, was the result of faith that Jesus is who he says he is. And then literally following Jesus around, learning from him and doing what he did. Again, sometimes the church is guilty of overcomplicating what it means to follow Jesus. You know, when I hear the word uh, follower of Christ, or I hear the word disciple, the best definition, the simplest but most effective definition I've ever heard is this. As a disciple, you learn from Jesus to live like Jesus. Again, a disciple is a learner. You, you learn from Jesus to live like Jesus. And it's in our pursuit of following Jesus that we often focus so heavily on the benefits of being a Christian. We, we overcomplicate what it means to be a follower of Jesus. And we forget the mission that God has given us as individuals and as a church. So if our call is to follow Jesus, and we do that by learning from Jesus to live like Jesus, then what is our mission as followers of Jesus? Well, as you, as you skim the Old Testament, as you skim the New Testament, you get a picture of what the early church looked like and what their mission was. I believe that there are few biblical um, acceptable answers to this question. For, for example, when, when the church really took off in the book of Acts, we see that they were devoted to, to certain things. They, they were devoted to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship with one another. They, they enjoyed being around each other. And then they were devoted to breaking bread. They, they took communion every time they came together. And they were also devoted to prayer. You know, these are all things that would be part of our mission today as well. And then when asked by the religious leaders what the greatest commandment was, Jesus said, love God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And love your neighbor as yourself. I would say that this is also part of our mission as followers of Jesus. The last words that Jesus shared with his disciples in the book of Matthew chapter 28 were instructions on how his followers were called to make disciples. That's the mission Make disciples. And they do that by by going where individuals needed the gospel, by baptizing men and women into Christ, and by teaching new believers to obey everything that Jesus commanded them. So so the mission was to, to make disciples. And they did that by going, by baptizing, and by teaching. And I would say that this is also part of our mission as well. You say, that sounds like a lot of things to remember. (laughs) And it can be. But when you go back to this, this early encounter that Jesus had with his disciples, all of these things are, are part of this first set of instruction that Jesus gave these fishermen. He asked them to follow him and then tells them that he would teach them to fish for men. You know, we see from this particular interaction that the call is to follow Jesus and that the mission is to fish. If you're taking notes, that's the second thing we're going to talk about today. The call is to follow, but the mission is to fish. I like to say it this way, that being a fisher of men means that we influence and invite others to Christ and his church. If you think about what being a fisher of men means, to me, that's, the, that's one of the best definitions. It means that we purposefully influence and invite others to Christ and his church. You know, when you first hear this, maybe you feel like I do when it comes to fishing for fish. All right, you, you think it never seems to work out. Remember, I go fishing and I never catch anything, right? I'm horrible at it. Or you think I'm just not any, I'm not any good at it. I don't know how to do these things. And maybe in the past you've invited people 
uh, to church and they just didn't show up. Or, or maybe you went through a season where you spent a lot of time with someone who was going through a really difficult season and you prayed for them. You were present for what they were going through. And in the end, they, they, they haven't accepted Christ. They haven't leaned on God for, for those times. And, and it be, it's like a kick in the gut sometimes. It just gets really discouraging. It's easy to feel that way during these times. But I want to say this. Being discouraged does not change our mission. And it's no reason to give up. It could be that you've been trying to fish for people like someone who fishes alone and doesn't know how to fish. Remember, when I go fishing, I don't necessarily know how to do all the ins and outs. I just go with someone who does know how. And it could be that you've been trying to live out this this walk with Christ like someone who goes fishing and doesn't know how to fish. The mission that we have, the mission to influence and invite, it starts with focusing on the relationships that God has intentionally placed in our lives. You see, God has purposefully placed specific people in your life so that you can point those people to Christ. And it's important that we invest our lives in the lives of others. If you look in the book of Acts, chapter 1, verse 8, it says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses. And, and then he starts to list these locations, starting with where they were, they were presently located and then moving out. In Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the, the very ends of the earth. You know, people read this. This is a very common verse. We, we know about this verse. You read this and this responsibility, and we think that we have to to choose between one location being more important than another. You know, I've heard so many arguments over the years uh, being on staff in the church and, and just being a pastor in the church. Uh, some people say, well, local missions are more important because that's where God has planted you. That's, that's where He wants you, so it's more important. And then I've heard other arguments that say, no, foreign missions are more important because uh, you know, there are much, uh, many more unchurched people groups in the world, and that's where our focus needs to be. That's, that's got to be our mission. As I read this, I don't see either of those things. I see that Jesus was saying that our call to influence and invite um, is wherever the gospel is needed. That's the mission. We're called to influence and invite wherever the gospel is needed. It's not a here versus there mentality. It's all about focusing on, on the lost and allowing God to use you in whatever way he pleases to. Being open to that. And I would say just from personal experience, that often starts with the people that God has placed in your life, your circle of influence. Have you ever noticed that when you go fishing, fish often swim together? All right, whether you look at the tracker on your boat or you see it off the dock, the, the fish, they, they swim together. And when they do this, it's called a school of fish. I believe that our, our lives are pretty similar to that. You see, God has placed people and your circle of influence, family, friends, coworkers, peers, you, you do life together. You, you go where each other goes. You're, you're around each other a lot, kind of like a school of fish. And I believe that with those people, you are called to influence and invite those very people to Christ and His church. Now, it needs to be said, and this is a side note, and this has been kind of heavy on my heart this week. Thankfully, I haven't experienced this here. Um, but working in the church, I've seen this, uh, more times than not. Over the years, I, I've seen that what happens is, is that people, when, when they get this, they get fired up and they get excited about fishing for men, they get excited about our mission, um, they end up trying to take uh, people who are already Christians from other churches and then they bring them to where they're at and they think that's a victory, that that's fish, what fishing for men is, and that's not the case. 
It couldn't be further from, from the truth. And what we don't want to happen is for our church to be a church that likes to take fish from other aquariums. Fish who've already been caught, fish that are building relationships with people and who are growing in their relationship with, with Jesus. We want to catch fish who've never been caught before. Now, I'll say this because maybe, maybe you are here because you've had a, a bad experience at another church and you've been at one church and, and you've come here. Again, I've seen over the years people leave uh, churches for crazy reasons. I, I remember a story. We were, we were um, redoing our kids' areas and a lady left the church because we painted the walls a different color. Like it was, it was light tan one Sunday and it was dark tan the next and she left. I mean, this is crazy. People, people leave the church for the craziest of reasons. And there's a healthy way to do that. <laughs> Some healthy ways, and maybe this, is, maybe this has been your story. Maybe the church was just unhealthy. Maybe the leadership was unhealthy. The sermons weren't from Scripture. You weren't growing as a believer. That's an understandable reason. But again, even in that situation, there's a healthy way to leave a church. You know, maybe, uh, maybe there was just a toxic culture there or, or, or relationships that, you know we, know, we know need to be mended, but it just couldn't happen. You know, everybody has a story, and, and I understand that. But too many times, people try to influence and invite people that already have a, a church home. And we think that's a victory for the church. And I think it could be further from the truth. I believe that God wants us to be a church that focuses on the fish who haven't been caught yet, who pray about the lost in our community, who are passionate about engaging, about influencing and inviting those who don't have a relationship with Jesus. The call is to follow Jesus. And we do that by learning from Jesus to live like Jesus. And then our mission is to fish. Being a fisher of men means that we influence and invite. And I would say this morning that that should start with the people who are in your circle of influence, the people that God has placed in your life, friends, coworkers, family, peers. And I understand family's hard. Family's hard to be around and talk about your faith sometimes, especially if they're not believers. We've had that in our family over the years with certain individuals. It's hard. But I'll say this, that if you would allow God to use you, he's not going to send you out to fish by yourself. We're going to talk about that a little bit more in the weeks to come. But the third thing I want to talk about, and this might be the most important, is this, is that the time is now. So the call is to follow, the mission is to fish, and the time is now. If you look at Mark chapter 1, verse 14 and 15, we go all the way back to to the start of our text today. It says, after John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee proclaiming the good news of God. And then I underline this for you because it's so important. It says, the time has come, he said. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. You know, as I've talked with our elders and our our ministry team leaders, as I've met with families in their homes and and here at church, I I can say this with 100% certainty today that I I am encouraged that the best days of this church are ahead of us. I am so encouraged about that. And I would say this as well, that the time to impact our community for Christ is now. This is the day. This is the time. This is the season that God has given us to be effective for Him. There's an urgency to the message of Christ, and there's an urgency to how we follow Jesus today. I think this is so neat. I'm I'm not usually a a Greek kind of person. I enjoy learning in that respect, but I thought this was so neat today that there are two Greek words that are commonly used for the word time that we see in the New Testament. Um, One of those words is the word chronos. 
And this word is for like clock time. Like I'm going to go to the movies today and it starts at this time or the time on my watch. The other word that's used for time is kairos. And this refers to God's time. It represents situations and moments when God breaks into the lives of ordinary people and has something to say when he says, it's time to move. It's time to come together and be the church. It's time to follow. It's time to accept the mission. The time is now. Kairos is always a big moment with God. It's a specific calling for people. It's time to get to work or, or a specific time has come in history. And that's the type of time that we see in Mark chapter 1. Kairos is the word that we see in Mark chapter 1. It's Kairos time. It's, it's urgent time. It's specific time. And I believe this church with all of my heart that the time is now for this church to be used by God in a big way to influence and invite people to Christ and the church. Can someone say amen this morning? That's our purpose. That is our mission. We're called to get on board. We're called to influence and invite and the time is now. The disciples didn't know what it meant to be a follower of Jesus. They didn't know what it meant to fish for men, but they accepted the call. They weren't pro-fishermen. I'm not a pro fisherman. None of us, maybe some of us are pro fishermen. I don't know. But they weren't in this regard. They accepted the call to learn from Jesus, to live like Jesus. And they accepted the mission to fish, the mission to influence and invite. They accepted the urgency of the call and the mission. They they learned that God's time was in the present, that he had a specific calling and purpose for their lives in that time and in that place. In church, I believe that we have the same calling today. I believe that we have the same calling. I was talking with another pastor in our community this week. I won't name names. The community's kind of small. But he said, now, what kind of church are you guys? Are you like an evangelical church? Are you like this kind of church? And, and you know, you hear, you hear phrases like that all the time. But I just said, man, we, we're, gonna, we're a church that's going to be active in our community. We're a church that loves God and loves people. And, yeah, if you want to use the word evangelize, we're, we're an evangelical Christian church. That's what we're about. We want to show people who Jesus is and show them how they can have a relationship with the God of the universe. But it was so foreign to him, I think because of the culture that we live in here. And and we talked about the upbringing of a lot of people here with maybe a Lutheran background or a Catholic background. And and we won't get into that today, but there's a perception that uh, that I think has been passed down in families that you don't have to share the faith that, that you have, the story that you have. And you don't have to point people to Christ, but that's part of our mission. That's part of the mission that Jesus has given us. Our calling is to follow. Our mission is to fish. And the time is now. And for this church to actively and purposefully follow Jesus in whatever it is that he calls us to do. So the application part. You say, okay, I see that. The the call is to follow. The mission is to fish. The time is now. But what does that mean for my life individually? How how can you re-engage or maybe engage for the first time in this mission and call that God has given us? Well, you might have noticed when you walked in today in the foyer, we have a a prayer wall set up. I don't know if you knew that that's what it is, but that's what it is. We've got some nets hanging from the wall and we have a table that's backed up there. And we're asking that you make the decision today to specifically pray for one to three people that you know in your life that, that do not have a relationship with Christ, that you can begin to influence and invite to Christ and the church. Pray for their salvation. Pray that God would give you opportunities to influence and that God would give you opportunities to invite. 
So there's a prayer card out there on the table, and you're going to write those names down on that card. This is a private thing. Uh, This is something that you're going to keep to yourself. We're never going to share those names. We're not going to post them on the wall or anything like that. But here's the cool part as a church. We have fish cutouts, and we're going to leave those blank. But for every person represented on the card um, that you write down, we're going to hang one fish up on the wall every week. And that's going to be a representation for us that this church is actively praying for and actively influencing and actively inviting people to Christ and the church. We're going to leave that up for the next month. And as we do, we're going to see the wall just fill with, with fish and, and know that every single one of those represents a person that is loved and valued by God, someone that we're actively engaging in our lives. Again, we're not writing the name of the person on the fish. That's just for your uh, privacy only. Well, that's going to be a great representation as that grows week after week. And I would encourage you to start today. Start praying for that today. Include your kids and your grandkids. Get the family involved. Decide today that we're going to be a family that takes the call seriously, that we're going to be a family that takes the mission seriously. We're going to begin influencing and inviting people to Christ and the church. Guys, God is doing a big, uh, big things in and through this church. I've, I've seen it already just in the few months that we've been here. And I'm convinced that our best days are ahead of us.